What is that? What am I hearing? It's probably the TV from the other room. That's <laughs> yeah, probably what it is. All right, I'm not. I'm not caring about it. I just want to make sure that wasn't my on my end. No. <laughs> in the garage i'm cory cope i'm freddie waff uh this is our first movie episode like um i want to say for april but we recorded the other one was it april yet last week it oh, was not it was not day before april fools that is correct the day before we dropped golden girls on everybody the golden girls if you haven't figured it out yet it was a goof <laughs> right <laughs> initially there, there it was, was not no first episode it was not a goof because we did record in all earnest to what first two episodes like we were going to keep doing it and we realized there wasn't much to it <laughs> and the show realized so much on visual gags that just did not work right so we just released it as a second episode only in the context that it was the second in the series and we're going to keep going and obviously we didn't and right, like we fooled you we fooled you yeah we fooled so many people we had one person say what the fuck was with that and that was one it. Per- one person who either cared or was paying attention. Yeah. Which means 10% of our audience had a problem with it. Anyway, today, as you can see on your podcast app, we are covering John Badham's Drop Zone. Yeah. This John one. Badham. Yeah, just this is another one of those ones where we kind of came up with the idea to watch it while we're talking about the previous movie, which was Terminal Velocity. Right. It was kind of a reoccurring thing. It happened a lot in the 90s. Like, uh, you know, two studios got scripts with similar storylines and uh, raced to get them out. Exactly. Yeah. This one, I don't know, it's hard to say. I don't want to say it's better, but nothing, nothing says 90s like a Wesley Snipes action movie. Dude, especially from like 90, from like 92 to like 95, Wesley Snipes was in like... I mean, Passenger 57, this, um, Rising Sun. It was like he was in every other movie that came out. And you every even, other movie. Right. And you can even throw Blade in there. It's a, technically a vampire movie, but it's an action movie. Yeah. I mean, you got, uh, what was the, there, was some, there were a couple other ones that were really bizarre. Oh, Demolition Man. Boiling Point. You know, somebody was, they were set on making Wesley a giant star. And it yep. worked for a little bit. It worked for a little bit. But then you get the, you know. By the time the 90s ended, so did he. Yeah. He probably didn't do himself a lot of favors either with the uh, with his money troubles, but that wasn't his fault. He just picked the wrong guy to handle his money. Right. So that means when you hire Willie Nelson's accountant. Yeah. But if you get cavalier about it. Right. You can't go live in France, Holmes. Yeah. And then you go to jail. Yeah. Lots of weird things around Drop Zone. I mean, originally, this wasn't supposed to be a Wesley Snipes movie. It was supposed to be a Steven Seagal movie. Now, can you imagine Steven Seagal playing Pete Nessip? No. <laughs> Not even a little bit. I had a hard time digesting the fact that Wilson Snipes was playing a guy named Pete. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, yeah, Pete Nessip. 
Yeah. And if you take those letters uh, in Nesip and you and you unscramble them, they spell Snipes. It's weird. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Seagal bailed and went to do Under Siege 2. So, apparently we lucked out. I don't say we lucked out. Imagine how glorious it would be right now to cover a drop zone with Steven Seagal as the lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. The movie wasn't a hit either way. So, uh, yeah, I guess, it, you know. Yeah, it, it took a big dump. It did. I mean, it, you know, John Badham was at the helm and John, you know, John Badham directed like my childhood. I like to say, you know, right. there's there's like 10 movies that he directed during the 80s that like, you know, they're all like standards on my like growing up right. uh, movie list. And this wasn't his first time into the sky either. He did Blue Thunder back in 83. Right. So this is his first time going up in the air. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I don't think that the film necessarily stumbles. I mean, it's, it's a good movie. I just think it came, I just think uh, it was, over, the market was oversaturated right. like, with the, you know, the whole, that kind of movie. And it also came out at Christmas because they, uh, they, they, you know, they put it out during the holidays, which is weird. Yeah, it's a popcorn movie, technically speaking. It's, it's, it doesn't belong anywhere other than between May and August. It has no business coming out in November, December. Yeah, this is like a late July movie. And I agree with you. A lot of the movie works on so many levels. It's just that when you get to the green screen moments, they instantly take you out of it. Yeah. There's some, uh, you know, it was, they were still trying to figure it out, but it's, it's, yeah, there's some, <laughs> there's some lighting issues. Uh, yeah. It's funny, Roy Wagner, the DP, uh, shot a lot of episodes of House. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And that's another thing about John Badham, too. He, you know, before he came along and started doing features, he was a TV guy as well. Right. And he worked on all the big dramatic series, all of them. So it's not a surprise that when he got his opportunity to start directing features that he kind of stayed in that same genre that he knows how to execute well. And that's dramatic action. Yeah, it's crazy. There's a lot of there's a lot of talent attached to this show. A I mean, lot. Joe, yeah. Joe Alves, the production designer, did Jaws and Escape from New York. Um, like I said, Roy Wagner. Roy did a lot of stuff, not just House, but uh, you know, he's a, he's a fairly famous DP. He, you know, he had shot. Uh, I think he shot Nick of Time, which was another Badham movie. Right. Um, Blood and Bone. They, you know, they, there was a very talented group. You know, the, the cast is like, there's so many people in this movie. Corin Nemec. Yes. Whose father, Joe Nemec, is a production designer. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his dad, Joe. Joe, Joe. Joe's done a lot of movies. I don't know what Joe's doing these days, but, oh, Joe did Terminator 2. Judgment Day would probably be the biggest, but he did Twister. He did Riddick, and that's where I had worked with him. He was on the abyss, uh, but yeah, his dad is a you know super nice guy too. He did the Saint, Speed Two, Twister, Wild Bill, uh, the um, Walter Hill. He did the Shadow, Judgment Night. You know a lot of movies that are on our in our radar, right? You know, and his uh, and 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 once upon a time, Corin Nemec <laughs> was uh, Parker Lewis. Parker Lewis. I think everybody. Uh, recognized him from being in Parker Lewis can't lose uh, Fox's you know the prepubescent Fox right yes uh, trying to grab a, a Ferris Bueller type of audience you know fans of, of Ferris Bueller and uh, 
Dude, that show was great. Right, Ben uh, Abraham Ben Ruby was in it. God, who else? There was a lot of people in there. A lot of people got a lot of play from that movie, from that show too. Yeah, ironically, it led to that Ferris Bueller TV show, which is kind of weird, right? Jennifer Aniston right. was in. Charlie Slater. Or Charlie Slater playing Ferris Bueller. Yeah, it was weird. Right. Um, yeah, that was an odd. That was an odd, short-lived. Uh, yeah. That's when they were trying to. That was the early '90s when they were trying to sitcom all those '80s movies. Right. A lot of them. Fox Fo- was that Fox? That wasn't Fox though, right? That wasn't a Fox thing. Parker Lewis? Par- no, no, no. The Ferris Bueller one. Man, I want to say it was. Yeah, because I remember Fox also did. They did a TV version of The Outsiders. <laughs> what really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Robert Russler played the Matt Dillon character, I think, or maybe it wasn't the Matt Dillon. Maybe he played Tim Shepard, uh, who was, uh, you know, yeah. in the S.E. Hinton books, was another Grease. Yeah, so but, it, uh, it definitely, it was uh, NBC for Paramount Television, Ferris Bueller, which makes sense being it was like 90 to 91. That's all a Brandon Tartikoff area. You know, that was his big thing. Oh, Amy Dolan's Dolan's was in it too. Which, oh, the Ferris Bueller? Yeah, she played Sloan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy Dolan's fresh off of Miracle Beach. And here's a crazy one for you. Richard Reilly played Rooney. What? Yeah. <laughs> No way. That's awesome. This That's hilarious. Be, I bet you this is like on, I bet you this is on TV somewhere. It's going to be streaming on one of those free services that we keep talking about. Free, speaking of free services, how did we watch Drop Zone? Uh, I was going to break out the DVD, but then I just went with Tubi. Yeah, we watched Tubi. Uh, and it, look, it was okay. It was a good encode. Uh, you get that same thing we talked about before, Pluto TV. You get that occasional ad supported uh, situation but it's still an r-rated movie or a pg-13 or whatever it was rated just right it's uncut they have they they didn't cut anything out of it so it's all and and ironically unlike some paid services drop is in scope on tubi yep that was one of the things i was like as soon as i discovered it was in scope i was like okay i don't need to go dig through a box right (laughs) you can you can tolerate the commercials too it gives you a chance as an old man to go take a piss Right, man, or go get some water or whatever you need to do. The big drag with it, though, is you can pause and play, no problem there, but you can't fast forward through anything, not even just the, the program itself. Don't worry about the commercials. I, I don't right. I don't think the company has enough uh, uh, programming dollars to, uh, coding dollars, I should say, to to do that, to just say, hey, you just can't fast forward through any of it, which is fine. I mean, it might, that might be a stipulation, too, of their of their rights to stream, so... Right. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it is, it doesn't bother me. I just pause it if I need to pause it. I mean, I, I started it, uh, then I ended up having to go outside because it was the rain, you know, so I paused it for 20 minutes, came back and it was fine. I didn't lose my, st- I didn't lose my stream. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about the movie? Should we talk about this bad motherfucker? The, the, the movie? The thing starts, uh, we see Michael Jeter and his cats. <laughs> right. In the prison in a prison, I guess. I was confused a little bit, still am, um, you know, because it starts with Jeter and, you know, the camera's on the other side of a chain link fence and we're looking at Jeter, who looks to be like in an exercise yard, but he's got cats and he's feeding cats. Is his, then, yeah, he goes walking over and the, and the cats <laughs> come running from the sewer drain. Yeah, man, they're like with these two sewer cats. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, and then he gets all anxious and then he... Calls out for another one and a third one. I swear it had to be pregnant. It was fat. It was walking out of there too. I'm like, oh my gosh. It looked like Mr. Bigglesworth before he loses all of his hair. He's a <laughs> big furry white cat. 
But you're like, oh, so it's letting you know that this guy... It's peculiar. Not that you would ever think that Michael Jeter was a hardened criminal. <laughs> right. But here, but this lets you know this guy is, uh, like you said, he's a little, in, a little quirky. He's incarcerated. He's yeah. somewhere. He's quirky. He's incarcerated for some reason, which, you know, it'll be made clear to us in 10 minutes. Uh, right. So, you know, he's talking to his cats. They're looking a little scruffy. And then suddenly there's a hit. Yeah. Homeboy walks up after he, he takes off his antenna off this boombox. And he pulls out, which obviously has been sharpened to a killing instrument. You make a nice shiv. <laughs> and he walks up to them, throws them against the, against the chain link fence. And says, "No fence or nothing personal or some bullshit." No, <laughs> some something stupid. Where some movie line. Prime stabbing time. Don't talk, man. Right. That's my dude, thing. If on, you're gonna man. kill somebody, kill right, him. Right, right, dude. Seriously, in real life, he puts him, turns him around, puts his face into the chain link fence, and jams in the back of his skull. There's no yeah, conversation. Man. Movie's over. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Talk to you guys next week. Um, it gives the uh, the prison guard an opportunity to come over and wrap him on the back of the head. Uh, wrap, yep. sorry, wrap the assailant on the back of the head with his club. Crazy. Right? Yeah. And then why we, what do we do? We cut to what? We cut to the FBI office. Yeah. It's crazy, man. What, what is going on? This, this movie already starts off. What's going on? I'm already confused. Who's that guy? Why is somebody trying to kill him? And here comes the exposition. <laughs> Because it's the '90s. But well, but first, don't we don't we start with those guys? Don't we start with uh, don't we start with Bill Cosby's kid and Wesley Snipes in a car first, and they're yep. they're cruising right, yeah, yep. making small talk about making women small talk. and and you know and, and, and hip hop, right? And they're having a conversation about about setting up Wesley Snipes' character Pete and Terry. Terry is the name of of uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner's character. And there's one point where he says he makes a reference to him as being his brother. I thought it was dumb that they were both that they were brothers. Well, that's and what they I mean. Both worked right. for the for, for the, the U.S. Mar- Marshals, and they were partnered up together. I thought it was it, that was it was that was a point where like like now it bothers me. It probably didn't bother me when I was twenty four, but like now I'm like that's well, yeah. stupid. No, now because you look at it, because like if you had if you had two or three brothers that were going to war, you don't put them in the same platoon together. Right. That'd be like me and my brother Ray, like fucking being U.S. Marshals. Come on, it's right. not gonna happen. No. I wasn't that well versed in what U.S. Marshals did prior to, to uh, U.S. Marshals with Tommy Lee Jones and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> no, <laughs> prior to the Fugitive. The Fugitive. Never seen I, it. Never saw the Fugitive. No, I'm kidding. Gotta say, man. But then I, I, I give a good enough reason. I can't. I can't see Harrison Ford as anything other than Han Solo or the President. By the way, Air Force. Air, Air, by the Air Force One. Never seen. Air Force One. Don't care. Yeah, don't. It's not any good. No. It's bad. I see, you know, it's weird though. Is I, there's two other movies that like totally take me out of like it's he's Indiana Jones and Han Solo for me. But there are times when I look at Harrison Ford and I see he's John Book <laughs> from Witness. Mm-hmm. And then uh he's all or or he's his character from the Mosquito Coast. I I have a hard time separating him sometimes, but whatever. So yeah, so Terry and Pete are driving along having a uh, chummy conversation again yucking it up if they, you will they, considering the conversation they didn't have to be related to each other <laughs> no not at all I mean it didn't It look until he said that was my brother I was like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have guessed I just thought that it was like you know there was a, but then I was like so that's when I was like this is nah, that's stupid that's it a is. dumb call I don't like I don't like why they did that either it doesn't make any sense but they get they have to go there and uh, they've been assigned to go pick up 
uh, Earl Leedy, that's uh, Michael Jeter's character, and uh, take him in and hide him somewhere for a month so he can actually go to trial. Because <laughs> that's he had been hidden for so long, and the only reason he ended up in that prison yard is because he was getting transferred up so he can testify. Right, because he had robbed the Chinese triads of bazillions of dollars. Because he's one of those computer nerds. Right. Of course right. he is. What else would Jeter be? Oh, right. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I don't know, they did something like that five years before that with Lethal Weapon 2. No. What no. do you mean? Nobody's. This movie has no. This movie takes no cues from Lethal Weapon 1, 2, or 3, or Die Hard. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> no. Dude, I couldn't believe how much stuff Batum lifted from Die Hard <laughs> towards the end of this movie. I mean, it's, yeah. o- it's okay to have a little homage, a little nod, saying, hey, McTiernan, I see you. But here's the thing about this movie. There were three Die Hard movies before this one came out. Correct. <laughs> Two of them were McTiernan movies, one and three. And, and there was already another movie involving Gary Busey and Skydiving called Point Break. <laughs> right. The only thing they did this time with... Some ingenious casting is flip-flopping his role and making him a bad guy. Right. And, uh, you know, that we, but we, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up with him in a few moments. Yes. So they, they go pick up uh, Leedy, and they say his name a lot in this movie. Leedy, oh, yeah. Leedy. 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 Anytime something bad happens on the computer, Leedy. Earl Leedy, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It became a drinking game, honestly, at one point where I'm like, oh, Leedy. I'm waiting for the line, Leedy. You see a computer screen... Leedy. Right. Do I have to start drinking now? <laughs> Thank God I didn't. I'd have been laying here on the couch drunk and we wouldn't be able to cover this because I wouldn't have finished the movie. <laughs> so they pick up Leedy and then they get just they get on a, a commercial flight to take yeah. him and hide him away for big one too, man. Seven forty seven. Big seven forty seven is a big ass plane. They're getting comfortable, you know, securing their passenger in a seat. Some big dude trying to get past Wesley Snipes, or and then Wesley just kind of offers the guy up the aisle seat, which is where he was already sitting. His assigned seat. Interesting. That may come into play later. Correct. Because he hates kids. Hates kids, and also he didn't want to. You know, he wants this big dude climbing over him the whole flight. Big ass right. guy. I took I took it as a couple things. He didn't want to hear Leedy. <laughs> he didn't want any more kids hitting him with stuffed animals. Yeah. And he didn't want that big dude. Traipsing over him on the way to the John. No, oh, son of a bitch. No, he just wanted to take a nap. Officer Nappish. Nep, Nepis. Nep, Nep, Snipes. Noites. <laughs> Before they take off, you're starting to see some familiar faces like Gary Busey. Gary Busey walks on, all dapper, uh, a sales guy, you know, businessman with a suit and tie. Tells the lady, hey, I need some water. I got to take my pills. I'm afraid of flying. Uh, I'm afraid. My doctor gave me these pills. <laughs> Could you give me some water? Give me some water. <laughs> it's almost, I felt like he was like literally, it was right out of point break where he's like, I'm looking for my dog, my little right. dog Scooby. Right. And you're seeing some other familiar faces too. Like uh, you may not know Luca's name, but uh, playing Dominic Jagger is uh, Luca Perkovici. Oh yeah. And you see, you recognize him, his face in a lot of stuff. And as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, I remember originally seeing him. I'm like, oh, that guy's always an asshole. <laughs> Well, look, it's funny because when I saw him in the movie last night, I swear to God, I had to, I had to, I had to take a quick peek to make sure he wasn't one of the uh, German terrorists in Die Hard. <laughs> You're getting a lot of that, that, that repeat business from uh, some, uh, some of the casting guys. I always forget the cat's name, the homeboy in it. Robert Lasardo? Yeah. 
Yeah, dude, he's in a ton. He's oh, like I in all it. these. He's so great yeah. in this, dude. He's so great in it. Deputy Dog, baby. Yeah, he's great. They take off. Stewardess comes up. Sorry, flight attendant comes up and gets sniped and says, "Hey, uh, I got. I can show you this thing. Whatever the hell it was, coffee or whatever. Like she want to get. A, I forgot. What the, I forgot what the line was. But I'm like, oh man, she wants some mile high club action. And they just got. They just got in the air. Like Snipes is already. Uh, already on the clock. You realize that she is part of the U.S. Marshals team or whatever, or some degree, but she knows who he is and has him come up to the cockpit where they find out they're getting a signal coming in saying that the plane's about to be taken over. Right. What? How weird is that? It's like speed. By the way, that's another thing, too. Speed comes up a lot in this. There's a bunch of speed moments, too, in this. A lot of speed, too, moments. Well, speed. As well. well. Speed, too, yeah, but it was like... There is a moment later on, and I, I don't want to forget about it because I might, but when they're controlling the elevator at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I swear to you, he's holding the same keypad that Dennis Hopper w- was using in the first speed. I'm almost positive it's the same prop. Could but be. I, but I couldn't rewind. Thanks, Tubi. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Tubi. <laughs> so, next thing you know, on cue, <laughs> Gary Busey signals to five other people on his team, and they all put on masks and pulling out uh, hidden handguns from inside the drop-down table inside their the planes. It was just complete lunacy. Again, 1995? Well, 94. 94. So it was probably shot in 93. And again, that's another funny thing, because both Speed and this movie came out in 94. Granted, this one came out much later, so I think it was funny that they... I mean, I'm telling you, the prop looked identical. I think maybe the maybe they're the same prop guy on both yeah, movies. Yeah, probably the same that'd prop. Be Could be. That'd be interesting to look up. He probably went, "Oh fuck it, I got I got something perfect for you." Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> it is just chaos, man. They're putting on oxygen masks and everything that they have built into their own clothing. So these guys came on board with all this crap. It's clear who they're after. They're after Leedy. Oh yeah, and it's clear that they're pros too. No doubt. Things start going apeshit. Then one of the uh, one of the guys on the hijacking team they plant up a bunch of explosives around the door to the the back door of the seven forty seven, and they blow it. They blow a big hole in the plane. <laughs> we're like, what, what's going on, oh, yeah, man? man? What is happening? And uh, it's a little bit of a fight going on. There's some gunfire. Well, all the while Wesley Snipes has not come back from the cockpit. Yet. Yeah, he sees he. It's funny. It's, He's he slow rolling it, man. Right. When he when he kind of like peeks around the corner and like peels back, I'm like, he's acting like surprised that there's people. I'm like, you didn't hear the gunfire, dude? It's a plane. You didn't hear them blow a hole in the plane? <laughs> all of those things. Um, so it's it's crazy when all that happens. And all the chaos, Terry gets shot. Well, so does the poor bastard who took the aisle seat first. Gary Busey rolled up on him, just put a hole in his chest. And without, you know, without provocation, because again, assigned seating, he thinks that's the other DEA agent. Right. And he also, he also takes one in the back from Terry. Yeah. I mean, so we find out that he was wearing a bulletproof vest. You're right. Cause he jumps up in the best Gary Busey that you could hope for. Yes. <laughs> With that crazy face and that weird donkey laugh of his. He's a pure, the best. Yeah. He's a pure lunatic in this. You, you realized how controlled and subdued he was in point break but with this woof he is he is full gonzo oh yeah it's like mr joshua lived after after riggs broke his neck <laughs> he escaped from the city morgue or uh gary Busey was watching terminal velocity and said hey christopher mcdonald 
this is how you this is how you do a controlled right. rage. Hey, Christopher McDonald, hold my beer. I'm going to show you something. <laughs> so Paul's blown out of the back of the plane. You're like, well, what the hell are you doing now? And and seats and and other passengers are getting sucked out the back. And uh, the little girl that bumped into Wesley Snipes' head, right with the with the stuffed animal, she's clinging for her life. And Terry, who's been shot, but he's trying to save this little girl from flying out the back of the plane and he's able to get her to somebody else like the mic is the mom or just a, like maybe a stewardess i forget what it was but they're holding on to the little girl but in turn it costs him his life because he starts getting sucked out the back door and he's hanging on hanging on and then pete runs up and just like he's trying to trying to save his brother and he can't he just rips his shirt while he's trying to get a hold of him and out the window out the back door he goes so long terry and good knowing you, brother. I was just, it was funny because like, I don't know how, but Wesley Snipes is still laying on his stomach. He's not moving at all. I don't know how he was able to keep himself from moving. It's like he's Velcro to the ground. Possibly. Or uh, they're already on a soundstage or something. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Either in front of some green screen. <laughs> what? Uh, possibly. Do, do when that door blows, that's the first shot of how bad the green screen is in this movie. It was like, it was like, like you said, it was a lot of lots of things that come into play here. Whoever was, was assigned to the lighting of the green screen <laughs> and the comping of the green screen in the movie, it was, yeah, it was very. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of it. I wonder how much of it has to do with them racing to try to get out before terminal velocity, and then ultimately terminal velocity was released two months before drop zone. You know, they just kind of gave up and went, okay, well, let's just put it out at Christmas. I wonder right. if they would have just, you know, taken their time and put it out the next spring. Uh, you know, if it'd be a different story with the green screen, but who knows? I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Well, what's funny about that little girl is that she, Luca, takes off his his uh, oxygen mask long enough so he could yell at the girl just to scare her. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is like, oh, man. You're, you're she's gonna die too so now you're gonna, gonna scare the shit out of her too <laughs> while you're right, at you, it was that necessary my right. friend damn it luca so he puts his mask back on and next thing you know those guys are like jumping out the back you know the back of the plane gary Busey grabs a hold of Leedy. jeter bites his finger off yeah <laughs> for some it, reason spits it on the floor for somehow that by the way that the finger will come into play later on right or no the right. finger the well, finger doesn't the remnants of it does where well, no, does it I don't remember. No, it does. Because, anyway, well, how does that finger not fly out the back of the plane, too? We found his finger. <laughs> we found his finger that was 20 feet from the back hole in the, in the plane, but nobody, nobody's questioning why the finger was still sitting there. Well, 990-pound bodies are flying out the back. Whatever. I'm really in a 90s action movie, but that's not fair, I guess. Anyway, it's okay, man. What are the things that happens in this movie and they're going to explain it. It happens a little bit about the idea that this was all a setup, and they create these rules. Even if you didn't believe these in the common sense that you can't really jump out of a back of a seven forty seven at thirty seven thousand feet uh, and not die, your body couldn't could actually handle. Like, like you wouldn't freeze to death. Wouldn't freeze to death. Your body wouldn't fall apart. Your lungs <laughs> wouldn't explode. All that stuff. Just ignoring all of that. I saw I I seen many Mission Impossible movies. I know I know the kind of required gear. Yeah, come on, man. But we didn't get that until the early mid two thousands. Right. But they set up these rules, 
and then they completely break the rules later on and we'll get to that but it was just like they go out of their way with this heavy duty like you can't do this that's not possible this is why you can't do that yeah they kind of beat that over the head they? They, they, <laughs> they do and then they say oh by the way that thing we told you earlier we don't care it doesn't but, mean anything <laughs> oh there's always a loophole man the loophole is we if we could do whatever we want because we're making the movie right and then you know and then so now the planes on the ground you know we've lost what we, we lost a dozen passengers we lost uh our good friend Leedy. and you just assume everybody's dead and then Terry. they're reporting 14 people died including all of the attempted hijackers and nobody is buying pete's story pete is so sure that it's Leedy. The guy he just met like an hour before this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think it is. They're sitting in this hangar going, and the DEA, sorry, the U.S. Marshals and the DEA and the FBI are all kind of working together. And they're looking at the computer screen, checking databases and stuff, because that's what you do in a 90s action movie. Always. There's always command center and set this, up somewhere. Right. Mobile. And all of a sudden, the computer starts acting a fool. And what does Wesley Snipes say right away? It's a setup. It's a lady. <laughs> like, why would you think? That? Well, well, you know, I, I could follow his logic. And like, that was my thing. I could follow his logic. And why would it, why was everybody having such a hard time? If the guy is a computer mastermind, right. and that's what he went away to prison for. And he's so good. Everybody wants him dead. Why would anybody have a hard time believing that he was hacking something? And I think, I think it was less about the hacking part of it and more about... He's not dead? No, about the, yeah, about the, the fact that nobody would survive the whole... Well, we found his finger. Yeah, because <laughs> that says everything. That's something so funny. It's like, well, you guys could tell by the finger that it, was, that it wasn't bit. cut off. It was bit <laughs> off. He bit off his own finger before the <laughs> bomb went off, before the explosion. He was like, you know what? I got to leave something behind. <laughs> Ridiculous. Good God. But what's happening now is the media and the FAA are, they're just taking. They want heads, man. They want Pete and Terry's ass. And Terry's dead, so what else are they going to do? So they suspend Pete. Yeah. Poor Pete. In the best tradition of all 90s movies, suspension. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and then the FBI is like going, hey, you can't sneak in a parachute through airport security, you know? And, and, and again, it's the whole thing they're selling. You can't, you can't get the parachute in there. You can't, uh, you can't uh, the jet's altitude and speed is not survivable to do all this stuff. So they blame P for it because they're also going to blame because Terry's dead. Yeah. They're blaming Terry too, but shot the plane up and he hit the explosives. I'm like. Right. He caused the explosion. Which is, it always makes me laugh. I'm like, it caused the explosion. I'm sorry. Did he put the C4 on there? <laughs> right. Did he put the C4 on the door? Yeah. <laughs> no. I, yeah. There's a lot of finger pointing going on in this movie. Yeah. And they, and they, they talk about some dude gets shot on the runway. At the airport, because the guy that works for maintenance for the airport that put yeah, the, the guns. I know some bullshit story. Right. But by the way, that's a, but that that's another thing we're talking about. That you you have okay that dude that dude definitely has some involvement in it, the maintenance guy because he put the guns on the plane. Right. What made me laugh is like he put the guns on the plane, and then they're trying to they're trying to justify it, saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, I can see the guy put a couple guns on the plane, but where is he going to hide all those shoots for them to use?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" You're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. He had like, there's like five handguns like hidden in the plane, but there's no way he could have hidden parachutes on the plane. They're wearing them, dumbass. Well, but I just think it was funny that the, it's the same thing with the argument they're having about it's not possible to to do this hijacking at 37,000 feet because the body wouldn't survive it. And it's, but it's okay for the guy to put five handguns on a plane, but they can't think it's rational, uh, the idea that he could have put the parachutes on the plane too. 
Where's he going to put the parachutes? So stupid. Man, that big <laughs> man, that big metal thing would have set off all the alarms. Those that D-rings, man. <laughs> so stupid. I got a D-ring for you. D-ring this. So he ends up he ends up getting hammered, right? He has to give up as uh, Wesley's got to give up his badge and his gun, and he's just kind of like, "You suspended me." I'm like, "Yeah." He's just, here's the thing, though. I don't want to be a dick about this, but we've all seen enough movies, <laughs> right? His brother died. Even if it was just his partner, he would have been. A, it would have been a, a mandatory leave of absence to deal with oh, it. Yeah, they wouldn't have had to suspend him. Yeah, <laughs> he would because immediately when there's a shooting or something like that. Yes, you they you go under. There's a review board. Yeah, I mean you just literally it's standard operation. Didn't have to like make a giant deal about it. You're on vacation, right? Suspension, whatever, vacation, whatever they want to call it. So silly. But, you know, Pete just says, you know, hey, you know, you can suspend me. You can take away my badge and my gun, but I'm not giving up on this. I'm pressing. There's something here. You know why? Because heroes never give up. Heroes never give up. (laughs) I think it says it right there on the poster. Hold on. Heroes never give up. Yep. Right there at the bottom. Right under coming this Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So he finds out that uh, he, he goes to speak to a, a high altitude military parachuting instructor. We, we kind of talked about that a little bit. He's the one talking about the D rings and all that stuff. Right. High density metal rings, as they, but that's what they are. They're just something that can really handle the kind of the speed and the altitude and everything like that from where they would have done this jump. So oh, it makes a lot of sense. But the metal detectors would have gone off. Besides, it's very requires rare skills and suicidal recklessness, as I'm seeing it described here. But really what it comes down to is Someone that's really, really good and someone that's dick brained or whatever it was called. Dick brain. Dick brain. Dick right. brain. Would you like to speak to somebody who, what was, yeah, or dick brained? Dick brained. Of course. Of course he, he, he goes with dick brain. He sticks out dick brain first. And that's Jess Crossman or Jesse Crossman, uh, paid by Yancey Butler. And she really didn't catch on the way she, the way that she was kind of being built up in this movie because she definitely is. A standout movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I I actually thought she was pretty great. I bought it. I mean, I believed it. You know, uh, she was fine in the movie. Uh, but it's like you know, there's a whole bunch of things that she did in this. You and I were just you know, a couple of years before that, before Drops on, she did Hard Target, right? And she had she didn't do a lot of movies. She shows up also in Kick Ass, right? But and then it has the Kick Ass too. She was in Witchblade, right? Right, right, right. She's like that was like her first like standout like a, a solo role, you know, lead role. But, but she plays uh, Christopher Mintz-Plasse's mom in th- the two kick-ass movies. Oh, yeah. For me, I, I recognized her. I mean, I was a bit, I, I loved Brooklyn South, and she was part of the ensemble on Brooklyn South. Right. This is we, we this is also what we find out, too. Court Nemec, we, we mentioned earlier, he's he's the mechanic uh, for the, the play mechanic for Jess's team at the skydiving school. Here we are again, another skydiving school. This is this falls right in line with the whole, hey, hey we got the, the abyss coming out. So, all right, let's go ahead and rush this movie and this movie out, too, ahead of it. And that's basically what this was, like we mentioned before. It's a race against two similar properties. It's always something similar as, it's something simple as, hey, it involves involves skydiving. And that's all you usually know, and that's it. Right. I mean, because the stories aren't similar at all. No, not even close. Like we mentioned earlier, this is is a love letter to skydiving and the culture at just like Top Gun was for for, uh, Navy pilots. I mean... Top Gun, look how many people uh, wanted to be in the Navy based on right. they saw Top Gun. I know that a lot of people 
saw this movie once it hit video because nobody saw it at the theater. <laughs> this is my dad's favorite movie. Like ah, my, see? I this, could, yeah, yeah. This and he lo- he liked Terminal Velocity, but like Drop Zone is like his thing, like his, you know, because of all the formations and the whole, like dad got way into skydiving. Right. Like, like in the late 90s up until, you know, I think he, think he took his last jump in 2013. This was a people who loved Sky. Like it appealed to that culture more than I'd say Terminal Velocity was more people who loved Charlie Sheen and liked 90s action movies. Right. And I felt there's not that much skydiving in Terminal Velocity. No, there really isn't. It's, it's just it's just really a call to action for yeah. the setup it's of just the movie. Something, yeah, totally. And, and, I, and I feel like Terminal Velocity is less an action movie, more of a mystery than this is a, this is just an action movie. There's Everything's being spoon-fed to you in this movie. It's not a spoon-fed in the sense that you're, there's no surprises. You know, you're not surprised to find out that is this and this person does this. Everything is right in front of you. Um, there's no twists or turns in this movie as far as something that's been hidden from you. It's always in front of you. And it's fine, but that's, I mean... Straight action movies in the '90s. That's what you got. There was no twists or turns. There was nothing. Oh no! This was this is what you got. Like Speed was the first time you got that kind of like, whoa, he's not really dead after all. Well, yeah, of course he's not really dead. He's second lead in the movie. He's why would he be dead already? It's 18 minutes in. He's not dead. He's not dead. So yeah, here we meet uh, Selkirk, the mechanic. Right, and that's that's our that's our boy Parker Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we meet Winona, played by Grace Zabriskie, who I totally forgot was in the movie until I was watching it last night. And so did I. And you know, it's funny. Remember, I told you I just finished watching Ballers. Yeah, she's the accountant for for them. And funny that. man. Yeah. When I when I worked at Rumpage Hardware or Rompage Hardware in Hollywood, like in the mid '90s, she used to come in. She lived like in the neighborhood, and she used to come in all the time. Too. And she at that point, you know. To me, she was two things. She was from Twin Peaks. Right. And then she was Grace Spivey from uh, the uh, Dean Koontz film, The Servants of Twilight. Dean Koontz. Yeah, we're back to Dean Koontz. Let's, let's move back into Drops Up. Sorry. <laughs> so, right, we, so we meet Grace. We meet Parker Lewis. Don't meet, we don't meet the rest of the team yet, right? It's just those three. It's just those no. three. Yeah, I think the rest of the team you'll see later on. They pick them up after they decide that Jess and and Pete have are meeting for the first time, and she's an ex-con, so she smells cop all over him. Yeah, because he looks like I me, mean, dude. Yeah, I mean, come on, he doesn't even try to hide the fact that he's a cop. Right, I, but he but what he does do every time she keeps calling him a cop or making references to him being law enforcement, he never corrects her. Right, he doesn't say I'm not a cop. Yeah, he does later on. You know, when she starts saying, hey, get some get us some money because it's just the government's money to help buy the team and everything. But one of her, they, they make the agreement that P is waiting for for Jess to come and talk to him. He sees a photograph of of Luca from earlier. He's like he recognizes the guy from being on the plane. So he takes that picture and kind of like, which is I think is so funny because he takes a whole frame and like stuffs it in his pants. <laughs> Which is so weird. But then they start having the conversation, Jess and Pete, and she agrees that, you know, I'll help you with some stuff, but I want to go to this DC jump, but my parole officer won't let me, so make that work for me. She, he's still not telling her that I don't work for anybody right now. I'm working for right. myself. I'm avenging my brother's death. Let's ignore the fact that you're avenging your brother's death, but not the other 13 people that died. Right. I only care about my brother. It's so ridiculous. He's hell bent on revenge for right. Theo Huxtable. 
she does, you know, and it's also kind of explained too that that Luca is Jess's former boyfriend. It's her ex, but she doesn't know that he's part of of Gary Busey's crew. She she just knows that you know he got into some shit, which is kind of how she ended up becoming a, a con herself because, well, quite frankly, it's a you know they did a lot of drug jumps. They they allude to again. She agrees to to let Pete join teach Pete how to skydive. You know, if he was sponsor a team for that parachute exhibition that's going to happen in D.C. And uh, which is all kick ass, you know, for a peak is like, all right, good. I'm getting somewhere. And it's basically the that's that sets up the next act, because now the next step is getting trained up and infiltrating. Now, she's the only one. Jess is the only one of her team that knows that Pete is law enforcement or at least suspended law enforcement. Right. Soon after this, Pete goes to me with the little girl that hit him in the head. Right. With the uh, with the stuffed animal. And she's got a bunch of uh, local PD around her and everything. And, and the mom of the little girl comes over and lets him have a conversation with her. So Pete sits down with her and he's showing her photos. And I think she's a little too old to be playing this, to play it the way she plays it. And uh, just something that kind of, I just didn't think it was a big deal on the plane. But while she's sitting there. I felt like she was older and it wouldn't have reacted necessarily the way she did to him. Yeah, it was weird. So he asked her a bunch of questions and say, dear, you know, and she points to his eye. Right. Again, very much like the tattoo moment. And uh, dude, I was weapon. just going to say, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, it was that it, it was, was paint. paint. <laughs> tattoo like Popeye. No, 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 not like Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like that. Just like that. Roger. Roger. <laughs> This is a special forces tattoo. Oh my gosh! Could Mel Gibson try any harder speaking with American accent right there? Right. No it always, doubt. It goes. It goes. Mercury switches. <laughs> what the fuck we got ourselves into? It's pretty thin, man. Fucking anorexic. Anorexic. <laughs> Do you think Dixie was home? <laughs> hey, Dixie! The cops are gonna hear the bus, Dixie. <laughs> Oh, At least we didn't get all of that. That's why we had to do it for you. So she she points, little girl points to Leslie Slaps, the little, you know, has a little scar underneath his right eye. And he goes, Oh, do you look anything like this? And then shows, of course, a picture of Luca. And she identifies him because Luca's got a scar right underneath his right eye as well. Ooh. And then one of those local PDs walks off on his cell phone in 94, right? Yeah. Big old cell phone. Oh, look at like that. Dirty cop. I got more dirty. It can't be a 90s movie without dirty cops, right? Always dirty cops. So At he, least one. He picks up the phone. He calls up uh, Gary Busey and basically rolls over and says, hey, your boy Jagger just got identified. And then so they're they're getting ready to practice their next, uh, their whole operation. They go up on the plane and Gary Busey says, ah, wait up. I'm going to go with you this time. And they do their jump. And then the fuck with Jagger forces him right into some power lines as they're getting ready to land. Which is very weird. It totally looks like they, that's a piece from another movie. Right. I was like, that looks like they shot it out in Sun Valley. Right. It, <laughs> it, well, it was funny it, about that. It doesn't look, it doesn't look, the, it doesn't have the scope of the rest of the movie, right? No. It's really weird because when it happens, uh, when, when we were watching Terminal Velocity, when he was coming down to the smokestack, it reminded me a lot of this, and I'm like, wait, does he hit power lines or something? And I got them crossed up, the two movies crossed up, and I'm like, oh no, 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 that's the other movie. Really weird, but yeah. And then he, and then when, when Luca comes in, he just, or his his stunt double just hugs onto the transistor. It's so weird. It's just like, yeah, oh. I know, right? <laughs> What's the last thing you want to hold on to, buddy? 
but you know, anyway, it was just a weird thing. And then Ty, Gary Busey rolls up and lands with the rest of his team. Everybody's like shocked about what happened. No pun intended. And he's like, well, yeah, that's what happens. And just kind of like, and nobody questions him. Nobody asks him, why'd you do that? Because he's the boss and he know, they know better. Yeah. Later on, we cut to the skydiver bar. Oh yeah. Right on the road. It reminded me a lot of uh, the bar I lived behind on my boat. That just that sort of whole open to the water. Joe's Crab Shack looking place. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like I made me want to vomit looking at it. I was waiting for Jimmy Buffett to be on a stage somewhere. It's the it's the running scared uh, bar that they they made. Right? <laughs> Sweet freedom, baby. Sweet freedom. Yeah. If Billy Crystal would have just done a cameo, a walkthrough would have oh, been amazing. Been, that would have been amazing. Been awesome. But you're seeing all these crazy uh, skydiver types and everything. And then somebody comes in and says, hey, somebody just burned out. They get that, again, more of an homage to the whole culture. We find out a little more information about what that means as in the skydiving community. And they find out that Jacker is the one that died. And, of course, now Jess is, like, super emotional about it. She hears about the details of it, and she goes, wait, he just ran into some power lines? You know, he may be reckless, but that isn't him. He's right. too he's too skilled to let that happen. He's to too him. skilled of a get. Yeah, exactly. So she knows there's something something there's something rotten in Denmark or yep. at least in Florida. So she breaks into a police impound because what happens in the situation that these things are always get checked out when there's an accident, uh, a skydiving accident, which is not unlike what we saw in Terminal Velocity. There's definitely an investigation that goes on when there's a death in in the skydiving or even any kind of. A FAA situation where yeah you're someone's going to be responsible for it and there's always an investigation and a mandatory vacation yes <laughs> so she breaks into this police impound to check Luca's parachute but she's being trailed by by Pete because Pete's like you know what I don't know where she's going I don't trust her 100% and I know that she had a thing with this dude because she had the picture she breaks in she pulls out the chute and she's looking it over and we're doing these nice insert shots kind of looking at we don't know what the hell we're looking for Right, we don't know. We don't know what it means, and then he says, "Ah, did you find what you're looking for, or whatever the fuck he says to her?" And he's sitting up in the window. He jumps down, and they start having a conversation. And she's explaining to him, or us, this this rig doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it. There's no reason why he should have had a problem pulling. There was no reason for fail. There was no there was no mechanical failure involved. So then he says to her, and Pete says to her, "Goes, hey, what's this here? Here?" And he goes, "Oh, this is a smuggler's rig." It's, it's high-density high fabrics that, you know, that, that don't get picked up by metal detectors, but perform a, the same function as as those high-density metals we were talking about earlier when he was talking to that, that Navy. Uh, uh, it's like a high-polycarbonate D-ring. <laughs> but it's fabric. But it's fabric. Cut it. So now everything is shaping up in Wesley Stipes' head that, all right, my idea seems to have some legs. Even though, as he's going along his investigation, more information is coming to him. But we already know this stuff. We, you know, there's nothing new here for us. It's not like a normal procedural where you're kind of learning with the with the investigators. No, we already know this stuff. But it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel anything because of the way it's kind of described. The exposition isn't too nutty and too like over the head. Well, this is where they have their little. You know, here's some more exposition. He, now he's got to run into a lab. You know, you know what he's going to do. He cuts it. He's going to take a sample and send it off to the boys in Washington. Right. Which is great because, you know, that's what happens. And that's what we that's find what out. That's what we find out about his vacation. I mean, your suspension. So 
Right. So Peach is calling in a favor to his boy up there. And then he says, hey, you know what? You know, we're busy. He's like, just do it for me. You know, I was waiting for that. You owe me for your, you know, I set you up with your wife. <laughs> yeah, right. Something nonsense like that. But like, yeah. and he says, I owe you. He goes, no, you owe me. You tell your buddy I owe him. No, you owe me because I got to go paint his house. Now, I, dude, to me, when somebody says paint his house, I thought he's, he's a hit man. <laughs> he's going to go right? paint his house. What? Paint his house. With blood. So they eventually, uh, he starts to piece it all together. Like, because they're, they're having the conversation. Well, they got to put the team together for, they, they're putting the team together. They never really say that. Hey, yeah, we're all good. We're going to go ahead and DC and do this thing. Do you just, <laughs> she just goes, Hey, I got to put my team together. Right. So they go around and start picking up people and, uh, you know, faces that you've seen before in other movies. Uh, one of which named he is in the fugitive. Rex Lynn. Yes. Yeah, and, man. He's also in Zombievers. Dude, I love Zombievers. <laughs> he's the hunter. Well, you've mentioned it more than once. Zombievers is awesome. It's still on Prime, isn't it? I think so. I watch, think it is, yeah. Watch Zombievers, damn it. Yeah, Rex Lynn. And then, uh, you know, it's funny, man. The guy that plays Swope, I don't know who the hell that guy is. Oh. I like him in this, but I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. Um, he was in Sleeping with the Enemy. Not a big part, but he's one of those douchebag uh, uh, cowhands in City Slickers. Right. And, and you ready for this? He's in Baboon Heart also. Oh, no way. Is, yeah. he, not, is he one of the hockey? Is, please tell me he's like not Christian Slater's best friend. No, his name's Howard. That's all I know about it. He's too old, though. Isn't he too old? He's too old. Yeah, I mean, he's, well, he's 10 years older than Christian Slater. And then, are you ready for this? Uh, the last thing he was documented as credited, he wasn't, he didn't die, did he? No, he's 60, he's 62 now. Wow. Uh, was Purge election year. No, they didn't have it. He probably played like the president. No, I shouldn't say that was the last thing he did. That was the last feature film he did. He's done lots of television. Yeah, he was on scene elsewhere is kind of the only thing I really knew him from. I mean, uh, when I looked him up, I remembered him from scene elsewhere. Yeah, still working. Good, get him swope. Yeah, he did. He did lots of Dude, stuff. Dude, when he does that, when when he does that jump out of that window rig, it's pretty great. Oh my gosh, dude! Here it is. He plays Jake Kane of Veronica Mars, on the well, not from the series, not from. He didn't do anything after that. I completely forgot that. That's why he looks so familiar because he was in Veronica Mars. Ten years, uh-huh. ten, 10 years after he did this. There you go. No, he's good at it, too. And he plays Swoop, and he's and he is a loose cannon. He's not like a dangerous loose cannon for other people. He's just a thrill seeker. Major base jumper. Because when they find him, he's homeless, sitting on. By the way, the second time, there's the two times this movie makes use of a high-rise window washing rig. <laughs> yeah, totally. This moment, he's sleeping on one. He's homeless, sleeping on one. And Jess knows where to find him, and he agreed. Uh, he agrees to join the team. He's super excited about it. And then, of course, the mess with the new guy, Pete. He uh, well, he won't right. He won't talk to him. He won't he talk to him. Jump. Gives me a jump with him, and then just to mess with him a little bit more. He uh, pretends to slip and fall as they're pulling him up off the rigging, and he just base jumps off and pulls his shoot and everything. And it's really weird about that when they're kind of work working the helicopter around the building when they're kind of like going swoop, swoop. Where are you? That railing, dude, isn't very high. No, not at all. And she and and Yancey, she's just going right at it. It's her. Her and Wesley, the ones definitely up there. Yeah. Like, man, but she like approached those side. Like, 
she all it took was that gravel just being a little too loose and she's over the side. She seems pretty fearless, man. Considering all the stuff that happens in the movie, I was like scared. I'm like, oh man, I, they should have been really concerned about that, but it didn't seem like they were. No, you know what's weird, man, is I I, I want to say that I read this or I knew it at the time, but like I want to say they all pretty much did their own jumping. I don't know about Wesley, but uh, Jeter was uh, all those th- during that montage of them doing that training sequence. Oh, he yeah. He actually is strapped to. Oh, 100% uh, he is. They yeah. all kind of went for it. It's kind of crazy, you know, thinking about it now, like how this they, they would never even shoot as much of this practically as they shot. Another thing that makes this movie uh, kind of move along, and I mentioned this earlier too, is there are like a lots of montages in this. Yeah, it's a very montagey movie. But it doesn't, and it was not until I'm just sitting here right now thinking about it, going, oh yeah, I guess there kind of is a lot of, there's a lot of training stuff because you got, you got two people that are getting trained. You got, you got Pete on the good side getting trained, and then you got uh, Jeter on the other side getting trained. They're kind of putting the team together. Um, again, like you're seeing a bunch of faces you recognize. And Kyle Secor playing Swoop is somebody that's kind of new. If you didn't see uh, Baboon Heart the year before. Correct. <laughs> and so this is their team together. for the, They're putting together for this exhibition. There's at one point you know, along the way here, she says that you can sponsor a team for 15 grand. And that's when we, that's Pete reveals to Jess. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that guy. And right now I'm suspended. I don't work for and He doesn't really say that. He just says, I, I don't work for them anymore. As if right. <laughs> that's it. I'm done working for them. As the, everybody's walking out and, and there's just planes everywhere and everybody getting ready to do some exhibitions as they're walking out onto, onto the tarmac. That was, I hit myself on the forehead with the mic. Oh, <laughs> See, I really need to get you that foam screen now. <laughs> Get a red mark in your forehead. And so they're they're walking on the tarmac to get ready to go out, and one of Ty's dickhead buddies like says because they all know each other because Jagger yeah. used to jump with them. They're all kind of creeps. On Corin, you know, Parker Lewis's shoot, he pulls his shoot as they're walking out there and blow him back, and he's not going to be able to jump. And it was kind of a dick move because he, he's not going to be able to jump at all now, right? Which sucks. So when they go up there, they're up in the plane swoop. Shows the kind of guy that he is. He's like, you know what? That wasn't cool shit. So he drops in on. It was uh, it was the other. It was that other blonde haired guy. Yeah, yeah. I always forget his name. So he's he floats into him and and kind of so was, was that Hennings? Was that Torsky? Yeah, yeah. And he gives him a gift one, wrap. Gift wrap where he he cuts off his main chute and it go cat gets caught up in the, in the other jumper and swoop pulls his emergency chute and floats down the rest of the way, and they kind of get into a fight about it afterwards. Argument about it afterwards. But then an actual physical fight happens later on. Oh, yeah. This is where we get to see some. This is where we finally get to see uh, Pete do something. Yeah. Show what a badass he is. Yeah. Swoop says, ah, they have to take a piss. Again, they're at the Sweet Freedom bar again. His Sweet Freedom. He goes down there to the outhouse. By the way, when the door opens to the outhouse, when they're joining the exterior, and I'm like going, man, that's like just a bunch of particle board. Dude, when he kicks the stall of the bathroom door <laughs> the, in it, like that, that was the worst. Wood. That was the worst breakaway I've ever seen. And even Melody was watching it with me. She just goes, oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that yeah, balsa I mean, wood. Had some of the shittiest wood graining I've ever seen on it, and then when he busts it, he kicks it in, and then, then you can see there's that that piece that's, I mean, you know, it looks like balsa. I mean, right. it just, yeah, the right. Whole. It almost, it was so, it, any and, and the stuntman went through that door with such ease. It was almost like it was foam, not even balsa wood. He just like boom, he just popped right through it. Hey, Kool Aid. <laughs> So then Wesley, you know, follows everybody down there and, and inside we get Swoop's getting his ass kicked for what he had done earlier with the shoot. So 
Wesley, Pete steps in there and just goes, fuck all that, and beats up the dude outside, and then goes inside and beats ass. Yeah. And finally, we get to see some of that stuff. I mean, he you saw him fight a little bit earlier, and he kind of almost revealed himself, like, in one of the Florida bars. Right. Where he goes, oh, you're kind of showing you're, you're not a cop, that you are a cop by beating by people's asses when three or four of them are coming at you at once. Yeah, man. Point along the way here, you know, Pete finds out that the plan for all for everybody here is that Gary Busey's team is going to break in the DEA mainframe. He doesn't know why. It's during that. Uh, it's it's. There's a moment of exposition where him and uh, Yancey are having that discussion, and she's like, "No, man, you know, it's 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 Washington D.C. Everybody wants in on D.C. because it's 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 the only one day a year that it's a free zone to jump into." And then the light bulb goes on in his head. Dink. Yep. He doesn't. He doesn't know why. And it's so funny because um, there, there's a moment earlier too where, where Ty's team is trying. Ty is making a deal with this super rich criminal. We're going to prove to you that we can deliver what we say we can do to deliver. And the first one's going to be free. And then while they're there, they make a jump and they steal some information that allows them to show, hey, here's some undercover DEA agents and. Uh, so by the time they meet up again with, with the super rich guy with their proof, they've got their proof and there's three dead DA agents whose printouts we saw earlier. Right. So we're like, oh, oh, so now what are you doing? So by the way, if they did that and got in there and did what they had to do, why didn't they just do what they were going to do to begin with while they were there? Yeah, I know. They're already there's there. Plot holes. Right. And, and I got to think that the second time they try to do it. <laughs> yeah, they'll be ready. That, that they're, yeah, they're good. Somebody would, they would step up security. You would hope. They got the worst security than Nakatomi does on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I mean, like you don't even get Huey Lewis in the building. You get um, that woman who might as well have been eating like a cinnamon roll. Oh, I'll take this down to evidence. (laughs) Right. Yeah. How are we going to take out this marshal? Because they don't know. They don't know that he's, well, I guess they do know that he's suspended or he's on vacation, but it doesn't matter. He's still, he's still a threat. And so they said, hey, you know, we can't take him out because then it's just going to, the dead cops is going to bring more know, attention, more attention and more coverage. We don't want that because we got to take out their leader. And so they decide that they're going to mess with Jess's pack to where obviously she's going to die. That's what they're hoping for. But when they're getting ready for their qualifying jump, we got uh, somebody's having a little bit of a freak out. Right. Parker Lewis is boning out. Man. He's like, oh, my gosh. Now he's finally getting his opportunity. He's super nervous and everything like that. So she says, I mean, look, I've won two championships with this with my rig. Wear this. So Jess gives him her rig. We're like, oh, great. Parker Lewis is going to die. <laughs> right. Parker Lewis can't live. <laughs> Parker Lewis is going to lose. <laughs> Parker Lewis loses. Uh, yeah, man. So there we go. Setting it up. <laughs> So they go up there and do their jump and everything. And of course, the kid can't pull a chute. He can't reach his back up. And his chute doesn't open up all. His main chute opens, but it's, and as you say, opens, but it gets released, but it doesn't, doesn't open up properly. No, it's it's wrapped around itself somehow. Right. And he can't, he can't undo it at all. And to release it and then throw his emergency chute, because it's just going to get inter the emergency chute. Emergency. Well, yeah. Will, It'll will, get tangled in get the tangled main chute. It. So the swoop sees what's going on and jumps and then just, duck dives and just screaming after to try to save him. He gets to him because of the chute and then he's trying to release his emergency pack and he's trying to like manually pull it out of the pack and he can't get it to come out and it gets, it gets enough of it to come out and slows him down just enough to where he lands the water with, he hits it hard, but pull him to the side of the, the, yeah, the bank of the, of the lake or whatever it is. And they're checking him out and he ends up sort of coughing up water and he's breathing. He's not dead. Thankfully. 
We have we go through all that emotion though. Yeah. We got Yancey's like giving him mouth to mouth and CPR and yeah. there's a giant crowd around and, and if Swoop didn't do what he did he, the kid would have been dead for sure him pulling that emergency rig would just slowed him down just enough to where he didn't hit the water as hard as he could have right he didn't just snap his back right just sees what a Ty's crew kind of looking she, with him shrugging it off and she knows it was him she's she's angry because you know what happened to Selkirk also understanding that it was supposed it was meant for her yes she freaks out you think she's going after him and she you know she heads to her trailer gets out her snub nose and <laughs> yeah she's and, a bit of a hothead yeah just a, just a little bit and the next time we see her is on the is on the independence day exhibition and she sneaks into to the plane for gary Busey and his crew and uh Actually, it's not just just his crew. It's everybody's. There's a right. whole bunch of people on there, and everybody else is jumping out, jumping out, jumping out. Ty and the rest of his crew stay behind, and that's when she steps out of the shadows with her gun drawn, just kind of giving it to him. I don't want to kill all you. I just want to kill the one that killed Jagger, and that was that's all she wants. She just wanted her revenge. I thought that was really funny. That's all that she wanted revenge for. I'm like, Selkirk's like, you know, almost died. <laughs> well, it's right. It's very funny. It's it's very much like Pete only wanting revenge for his brother. Right. They're like two peas in a pod. Right. So weird. There's a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a fight. Somebody gets shot. What's his face? The guy that we can never, whose name we can never remember. Yeah, that dirty guy. <laughs> that dirty guy gets shot. And then she's, and then Jess has got her, you know, her four limbs holding herself from flying out the back door that everybody's been jumping out of. And then she just lets go and just goes out. And you're like, whoa, what the hell happened to her? They pull a wide shot. God bless this stunt person, man or woman. Oh, yeah, man. It's just hanging on the outside of the plane. And this is what I was talking about before. You've given me the rules. You've beat it over my head how this is not possible. And she's, how did she? And then you just completely ignore everything you've been beating into my head. Let's pretend you, know, you didn't beat it into my head about why it's not possible to do what they did at the beginning of the movie. Wouldn't just the idea of her, you're flying in the air. And I don't care if you're not in a 747 or not, but if you step out, are you just going to be perfectly even where you can just grab onto that bar underneath the door? Yeah, man. I don't know. Even if you just drop straight down. You know, I flicked pieces of trash outside the car before. It Driving 55 miles an hour, it goes flying out of my hand. I don't, oh, yeah. No way. And she's a strong girl, by the way. She's really oh, yeah. strong. Hanging onto the rig. And nobody notices her as they're jumping out the plane. Nope. Because, it, well, there's like a six-inch gap between the, you know, the, the door of the plane and then that first step. Sure. I guess. And, like, and, and the way she grabbed onto it, you don't, you don't see her grab onto it. You just pull wide and she's just hanging onto the but bar. But in the meantime, in the pink airplay. So ridiculous. I love that everybody is piled into the uh, pink school plane. Right. And they're in there and, and they're gay. You know, and it's like, hey, oh my God, look, there she is. And they just know that it's her. Yeah. Just making a damn bit of sense. What are we going to do now? Yeah. And this is where Pete gets to be a hero. Yeah. And so to she, earn the respect of everybody in the plane. She lets go and she free falls and then Pete jumps out to catch her. I love, by the way, all of a sudden he's so skilled. Totally, man. <laughs> like he's the guy, like I, if I was here, I'd be like, I'm going to drop. Pete's going to catch me. I'd be like, good God. There better. There's at least there's three guys in there. Yeah. Swoop will probably get to me first. Nope. It was Pete. Pete. <laughs> Pete. 
Pete. And I love how the fact that they just all know, no, man, let's all just change cars. They must have had a conversation in the plane. Like, once we get her, we're going to the DEA building, guys. Okay. Can I go? You know, I mean, because it doesn't seem like they have any sort of plan when they, when the other two, Rex Lynn and Swope, jump out of the plane. I wouldn't want to miss this. Like, they're just going along for fun. Yeah. And then suddenly they're all headed to the DEA building. I don't know how they're, they're so focused on you know, rescuing Jess from her free fall. How do they, like, how were they even able to think, oh yeah, now we can just maneuver over here to the DEA right. building. They didn't miss their, like, you know, their trajectory. Ty's crew talk about how difficult it is to, to do the jump to begin with when they're focused on a target. Right. So it doesn't make any sense at all, man. Anyway, so they get in there and they're, everybody's in the building now. Ty's crew is already there. They're already doing the same thing we've already seen them do once before. Why they didn't do it the first time, I have no idea. But now here's a second team coming in. This is Jesse and, and Pete and the rest of the team. Skydivers, at least she's a, at least she's the con. She knows how to use a gun. Everybody else is just, they're just skydivers. But here they are. This is where it turns into Die Hard. Oh, yeah. And it's not just a little Die Hard here or there. There are many, many, many points of reference to Die Hard in this. Starting off with that guy who was waiting for Pete outside the jaw and wouldn't let him go in earlier. Oh, yeah. And the two of them have a pretty decent fight in the stairwell. But then they fall and his neck breaks. <laughs> just, right? Just like the big German, uh, the brother of Alexander Gudinov. Yeah. The fire has been called off, my friend. No one's coming for you. No one's coming. He's the first guy that dies in Die Hard. And here is his same same fate here for this poor soul. Well, not poor this soul, poor but bastard. he's dead. But dude, they fight forever, man. There's a good it's fight. Like, it's a good fight. It too. is a good fight. Because they're both, you know, they're not, neither one of them are like not giant dudes. And they're just going for it. Now, there's your one moment of Die Hard. All right. They take it a step further. Oh, yeah. And Die Hard, Gudnov's brother, after he gets killed, McLean puts a little smart ass comment. Now I have a I have a machine gun now. Ho ho ho! Puts him on the elevator and sends the thing down for Hans and his crew to see. Right? Yep. Same damn thing here. Yeah, man. Same hey, thing. Like if it worked once, it'll work again. Oh my gosh! It was so ridiculous. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's when I texted you. I'm like, all right, dude. There's just too much going on here. Right? It totally like it literally like the last ten minutes of it turns into like like. Lost footage from Die Hard. Yeah. A crappy security team. Just kind of like whatever about it. I mean, they had like one dude. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's just weird. It's the whole thing. Having is weird. pizza, making a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, hey. what? Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. And no one notices. Like, they leave it. His arm is hanging over the desk. Right. You know, like two, three people walk past that hallway. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Lackadaisical. You know, you get lazy when you work at the DEA. Right. Ironically, well, here we are seeing Ty and his crew doing all the same damn things they did the first time around they did this. So we're not seeing anything new. We're seeing different angles, maybe a different room, but it's mostly the same shit. DEA people that are dead, you know, just basically admin people just getting, getting shot up and things stolen and everything like that. They know that there's something going on, so... Ty and his crew leave Leedy behind to him to keep doing the job that he's doing. And Leedy's getting fucking ballsy. Yep. Because he's in his element. He's at, this is, could you just let me do my job? Just being a, being that guy, right? And then Pete finds Leedy and he kind of holds him hostage. And as that's happening, Ty finds Jesse and the two of them have, have this little standoff, right? And we're like, I'm going to kill her if you don't let him go. It's like, nah, don't don't worry about Jess. He's not going to do it. He needs this guy. I'll put a hole in him in a heart. It's just this weird little standoff that we've seen in lots of other movies. Oh, yeah. But this time I believed it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I bought into it. I bought into it. Lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> what? They both kind of released their, their captives. They have the John Woo moment. <laughs> 
I was just going to say, dude, it goes right to like the John Woo of it all. And in 94, he's sort of, you know, the killer and hard boiled was just coming to the zeitgeist of the cinema lover. You know, it's not to mainstream. We weren't going to see that kind of move. Well, I mean, I guess you, I don't remember if they did. did well, they, hard target was, I was going to say, I was gonna say did hard target already use that? Did they, did he steal his own stuff for that? Yeah. He's probably he stole some of his own. Yeah. I mean, by that point it was kind of already, you know, we hadn't gotten to uh Broken Arrow or uh, Face Off yet. Right. But I think we'd already sort of, and I got to say, you know, people like Badham and, the, you know, those guys had already sort of oh, seen. Yeah, they're aware of it. Yeah, for sure. They were aware of all that John Woo stuff at that point. So Pete and Ty are having their fight instead of, they, they can't shoot each other because both, both exuded their clips. So they don't have, any, neither one of them have any bullets left. So they start fighting. And so what happens? They jump out the window. Yeah. <laughs> because Pete still got his emergency shoot on. Yeah, he does. Pulls his emergency shoot, and Ty goes flying down, and he <laughs> and then he get and then he gets hit by a truck driven by uh, another one of his crew, Mickey Jones. Jones, rest in peace, Mickey Jones. Mickey Jones, drummer extraordinaire for Kenny Rogers in the first edition. Now Ty's dead. Oh yeah, thank God. Pete safely lands on the ground. Not really. He jacks up his knee. I think. It makes you wonder. I wonder if he really hurt himself. Oh, I think he must have because there was a there was a moment earlier too, like early on in the movie, where he had where uh, Yancey had dropped they, they, where they took him on the tandem and they cra- and he kind of limped back to his car. I'm just curious if that was a real thing or you know. So paramedics end up getting and Pete up onto a gurney. It's it's so weird. Like he's he's just rambling, right? He just Pete just rambling. And he goes, oh, by the way, like a. It's a cutaway. He's going to cut away. He's like, oh, no, it's the other knee. Right. But just before that, he sees Leedy in a DA jacket, which we saw him wearing earlier. I'm like, oh, I didn't think anything of it. Leedy's like telling guys what to do and everything like that. Basically, in under the guise that he's really DEA. And Pete sees him and he's like, hey, 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 look at that. He's, he was, Leedy's getting away. And Swoop somehow hears him. <laughs> And, Somehow. And, and he like jumps and parachutes down on top of Leedy and stopping him. Another base jump. Yep. They cut back over and Jess is right down close to, to Pete's face. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, dude, don't kiss. Don't do this. I know, right? I couldn't remember if they did it or not. She says, oh, like you're real part of the team now. And then she goes, oh, I'm not going to try, try skydiving for another 40 or 50 years. And like, ha, 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 ha. And then she like puts her hand on his chest and puts her face on him, on his chest. It was so weird. It was weird. It was like they couldn't make up their mind whether, you know, I bet there's an alternate version where they kiss. I bet there's a version where there's like nothing. And then that, that was the one they went with. Fuck it. I don't know, man. It was, it was a bit bizarre. It was. I was like, what? So it's it, it, it stood out just as much as if you would have had him kiss. Correct. It might, but it's worse. Yeah. Because it's awkward. <laughs> yeah. It's just fucking awkward. And like nobody would do that. Oh, ha. What the fuck just yeah. happened? So wacky. Yeah, man. Well, that that's Drop Zone. That's Drop Zone. There's lots of other homages and flat out rips from, from other movies, which was, wasn't uncommon during the 90s when everybody was making couple of million dollars of screenplay and every and everything was die hard on this die hard on that die hard on this so it's no so this was this one wasn't die hard on anything they were just like we're just gonna go bunch of bunch put a bunch of die hard shit at the end i've always felt like it was a studio move like going hey oh yeah this, it this, absolutely this was. wasn't pitched as die hard on a skydiving plane so make sure you put die hard stuff in it and it's so weird to think about it man because what did we get in that time we got die hard one in 88 92, we got the second one, or 91. 91? 92. I think it was 92. 
And then not even quite a year later after Drop Zone comes out, Vengeance will come out. A couple other weird things about this movie, though. Well, not weird, but just other things. Andy Garcia was supposed to play the Busey role of Ty Moncrief, but he turned it down. I, that would have talked about weird stuff, right? I would have loved to have seen him play it back. Steven Seagal and Andy Garcia starring in Drop Zone. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, that's the kind of movie we'll probably get now. Well, right, like, straight to video. Steven Seagal, Andy Garcia, and Carl Urban together at last. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think Andy Garcia playing the bad guy would have been awesome. Then, not now. Oh no, no, no! I agree. He's, but he was like, he's, he still works quite a bit. I mean, he was on Ballers yeah. a lot, playing a, a rival uh, agency owner and everything like that. But yeah, he would have been great. At, but I mean, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that Andy Garcia back then, Jennifer Eight and Internal Affairs. Oh, gosh. Eight million ways to die. And we need to cover internal affairs when we're done doing our 90s stuff. Oh, yeah, man. You're not going to get any argument from I me. Know. I know. I love gear. Richard Gere, yeah. <laughs> Dude. I'll talk about any Richard Gere movie. He won me over at that performance because I was like, to me, he was just, he wasn't, I, I didn't get it. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Officer and gentleman, fine, whatever. I never saw it. But to see him playing such a piece of garbage like he is. Yeah, he's great. Friend, and he just nails the part. And just watching how manipulative he is with everybody in his life, yeah, I really dig him in that movie. Yeah, he's very good in it. I mean, you know, it's uh, to me, it's I know it's also I'm, I'm a, I, I love Figgis, but I think it might be it's my favorite Mike Figgis movie. I mean, I know some people consider leaving Las Vegas to be like yeah, his it's all thing, right. But, it's okay, but I, I love Internal Affairs. It's a good one. We're definitely going to talk about that. Yeah. The other thing is we forgot to mention our the director, John Badham, as the captain of the yacht yes. where, where the whole story unfolds. And it was I laughed out loud when I saw him. I was like, oh, good God, is that Badham? Yeah. <laughs> now, see, I was waiting for it because I was double-checking some stuff before I was watching the movie. And I'm like, oh, he's got a cameo in it. I, I created a cameo. I have to keep an eye out for it. But it just said, it said yacht captain. I'm like, where's our yacht in this? And I couldn't remember when it happened. But of course, we find out later on through one of that, that first meeting with that super rich criminal that uh, he's super criminal. That's the super, super criminal. Super criminal. So there you go. Yeah. What's funny is uh, it's almost just quickly. I'll say this and then we can wrap this up. The uh, the ending where Busey goes through the windshield with his parachute is very similar to the way they kill Gandolfini in Terminal Velocity. Right. It's almost like there was some leak. People were talking, or you know, script. You know how oh, yeah. the scripts scripts go around all the time. People had probably read. You know who knows. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny. Also, that was a really weird edit too. Yeah. When he goes through there, I, I could swear to you, there they had like two or three different angles, but it's all the same thing. It was like crash, 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 like. It like like they stacked it like it was a stuttering effect. Yeah, totally. Because I don't they, because I think I think the gag happened so fast. I think they didn't have it. Yeah, I the think the coverage that they wasn't didn't, there. Yeah, they didn't have the coverage, so they had to sort of. Uh, and they only had it. They probably it looks like they, you know they must have shot it once. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you know, all right, just make it work, guys. <laughs> we only got one piece of glass. We only got one windshield. And, Mickey, and we only got one Mickey Jones. Yeah, one Mickey Jones. Mickey Jones. I ain't doing it twice. I ain't doing it again, man. Nope. Busey's too fat right now. <laughs> There you go. Drop zone. All right. Drop zone. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp. Or if you want to follow the official at Karate Pod or on Letterbox at Corey underscore Culp. If you want to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck at Twitter. Or you can follow me at Rock and Roller 33 on your Instagram or Tom Cody on Letterbox. Tom 
Cody. <laughs> Better box. There you go. That's it, man. Wee!